Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries. I'm your host, John, and today we're going to be talking about why firearms might be a little bit disappointing in your old school games. Okay, so why am I saying that firearms are disappointing? And for this video, I'm not going to get into the whole debate about why firearms should or should not be allowed in D&D-esque style games. That's been pretty well covered by other podcasters, and I believe I've even talked about it myself on several previous occasions. So we're going to take it as read for the purposes of this episode that you've decided to include firearms of some variety in your D&D game. Now, this idea for this episode actually came to me when I was listening to an episode of the Hind Sightless podcast, where Joe on there was talking about why he sometimes finds the Gunslinger class in Pathfinder Edition 1 a little bit disappointing. I highly recommend you go and check out Hindsightless if you've not listened to that. I'll put a link to it in the description of this show. But essentially, Joe was saying that the Gunslinger class doesn't really have the appeal it ought to have because people who don't like guns in their D&D aren't going to be interested in it and those who do have an interest in guns in D&D or Pathfinder are going to find the sort of loading times and all the various sort of hoops you have to jump through to get those firearms quite frustrating and this got me thinking about how that might be the case in some of the old school games and retro clones and such like that I actually play in. Now I'm quite a big fan of the old sort of like flintlock guns and stuff like that in D&D games. And that comes from Lamentations of the Flame Princess, which includes them as part of the core rules. There's been firearms rules published for old school essentials, which is my retro clone of choice at the moment. However, I can see what Joe was saying that they might seem a little disappointing because obviously if you, you're thinking about guns in a sort of RPG, you know, we tend to imagine guns as portrayed in sort of modern day cinema. You know, there's action heroes leaping across the scene. They're firing an unfeasible amount of bullets without reloading, riddling their enemies with gunfire. It's all very dramatic and exciting. Whereas the firearms you tend to come across in your typical D&D OSR style game, if they're included at all, tend to be more your sort of flintlock, your muskets, um, your blunderbusses and stuff like that. Now, whilst these guns are very powerful, they also tend to have really long reload times. They misfire a lot if the conditions are bad with potentially hazardous consequences. Now, I'm going to talk about firearms as represented by Lamentations of the Flame Princess and the optional rules for old school essentials, which I think were probably influenced by Lamentations of the Flame Princess, although I don't know this for certain. In both games, the firearms tend to have a sort of 8 to 10 round reload time, which, let's face it, makes them pretty useless once they've been fired once in a combat. 
because a lot of combats aren't going to last more than eight or ten rounds, particularly in an old school game where combats tend to be pretty lethal. And if a combat's going on around you, the chances of you having time to stop and take the time to reload powder and shot into an old style firearm are pretty unlikely and you're probably not going to want to sacrifice your turns by effectively just standing there and doing nothing really that impacts the combat you probably want to going to want to get into it now there's a few ways around this you know if you're talking like pistols you could carry a bracer with multiple pistols in fire some drop them grab some others and fire them you know in the stereotypical sort of pirate manner but even that's not without its problems because that implies you're walking around with a lot of loaded pistols on you which if you get hit by a fire attack could be extremely problematic and explosive or if the weather conditions are damp you're probably going to find a lot of those misfiring and you're not really going to be getting the benefit of them now this is such a thing that in most games i've run where we've had firearms those players who've tended to take them and most people haven't it's normally just been one or two players who've decided to take firearms they've generally just gone into a combat fired off one or two shots dropped the firearm and then gone in with a more traditional melee weapon or they've pulled out a crossbow or something like that which allows them con to continue making missile attacks without having to worry about their firearm now there is in addition to this a small bonus you tend to get in sort of lamentations and old school essentials from firearms in that they provoke morale checks due to all the the horrible smell and the belching smoke and stuff like that they can provoke morale checks even if you don't manage to hit the enemy which is pretty useful after all if you run into a fight with half a dozen goblins or whatever and you fire off your flintlock they fail the group morale check and they all start heading for the hills then you may not actually even have to fight them in a combat and certainly in old school games where combat is pretty deadly as i said earlier that can be very handy however like i say once you fire that first shot if they all pass the morale check by and large in the games that i've run people will just abandon their firearms and go for another type of weapon they get that first volley off and then it's on to the more traditional weapons now this is good in a way because it means that firearms tend to have minimal sort of game breaking and in inverted commas effect on your game and traditional weapons aren't sort of overshadowed by them which i know is one of the concerns that people have sort of proffered when it comes to why they don't like firearms in their game and i can understand that because in the real world firearms pretty much revolutionized war and armed conflicts when they were introduced and when they started to be mass manufactured and become available to larger numbers of troops but if you look at it in a certain way the crossbow kind of did the same it revolutionized conflicts prior to that you know you had the longbow where it took years of training and a tremendous amount of upper body strength to be able to use them effectively when crossbows came in it became a lot easier to train people to use a crossbow and didn't take a great deal of time so they sort of spread widely and became more commonplace when firearms came in and they were better against certain types of armor and certain types of troops they sort of swept across the board 
and became the new weapon of choice for armies and groups that were involved in conflicts. So what do I think the solution is for firearms potentially being a little bit disappointing in OSR and D&D games? Well, there's a number of options. The first and most obvious option is just don't include firearms in your game. That way they're not going to be a disappointment. But also you're sort of doing yourself out of a great deal of spectacle after all and a great deal of tension as well. As I've said with most of the old school games I'm talking about, there's misfire chances for the weapon, and this is altered depending on whether it's been raining, whether the powder's been kept badly, and stuff like that. So when a person squeezes that trigger on that flintlock or that pistol, there is a certain amount of tension because you never know if it's going to misfire. Also, there's the morale checks that they tend to cause. Again, another source of tension where you're waiting to see the GM to roll that morale check for his enemies to see if they're going to run away or whether you're going to have to drop your flintlock down and go in with your sword or whatever your weapon of preference is. So there's a lot of tension that can be built up using these weapons. There's also a sort of a chaotic element that I quite like in a combat. But I think if you're using that sort of old school black powder style of firearm, then you really need to manage your players' expectations from the start and let them know that they're not going to be running into a combat and sort of rapid firing or like diving across with like pistols, John Woo style and firing into the enemy and sort of riddling lines of them with bullets. These are sort of one-shot wonders which can either have a tremendous effect on a combat if you hit and do a lot of damage and the enemy fails their morale check or they can have very little effect on a combat if you miss, there's a misfire or your enemies succeed on that morale check assuming you use morale checks in your games. However, as I've said, they do add a great amount of chaos and uncertainty to a combat, which can really bring an additional level of excitement. And if you're a fan of like TV programs like Sharp and that sort of period pieces like that, then it really can help capture that slightly later era of fantasy that is prevalent in some books and fantasy novels, but doesn't tend to be represented maybe as much in your stereotypical D&D sphere. If you do want to make firearms a little bit more prevalent in your games, there are certainly things you can do. However, the inclusion of firearms in a D&D game tends to say something about the, the sort of historical period in inverted commas that your fantasy setting is roughly analogous to if you include black powder firearms we tend to sort of assume that the fantasy world has that sort of napoleonic era of technology whereas if you start bringing in like six shooters and later firearms we're moving more into the sort of wild west and later time period and if the rest of the world that you're conveying doesn't match up to that there can be a certain amount of i suppose cognitive dissonance that tends to occur where the players will be expecting certain technologies to be available and they might not be for instance i personally if i went into an old school game and there were six shooters and stuff like that available i'd expect there to be 
trains and railways and stuff like that that you would find in the sort of wild west period available and i would be slightly confused and sort of it would take me a while to sort of get myself in the mindset of that world if it was just a standard DD world but with six shooters and i'd probably have a few more questions for the gm about the background so another way you can deal with this if you want to bring in slightly more advanced firearms is to advance the timeline of your world and bring in these other technologies now that also has implications for the rest of your setting obviously mass transit via railways and stuff like that had a tremendous impact on the real world and a much greater impact that we can discuss in detail in this short episode but the easiest way to handle this is to have a look online for an OSR clone or something compatible with the rules that you're using that already has that sort of era of setting built in. There's a number of OSR settings that have that sort of a Wild West flavor or later time periods. They also handily come with rules for later firearms and different types of armor and stuff like that. And you can pretty much cut and paste them wholesale into your osr or dnd game and that's one of the huge advantages of the osr sphere to me that most of these games are broadly cross compatible with minimal necessary grunt work to enable you to use those rules and you can just copy and paste the sort of equipment lists the weapons lists and stuff like that and you can also use the background for such books to influence how your setting is going to be different to the traditional D&D world to take into account these additional technologies and stuff like that. So there you are, there's a few thoughts on why I think firearms are sometimes a little bit disappointing and a couple of suggestions as to how you could either get around this or sort of lessen this a little bit in your D&D games. I hope you found this useful and you enjoyed the episode. If you did and you're watching it on YouTube, like, share and subscribe and all that good stuff. If you're listening to the podcast version and you've enjoyed it, add us on to your favorites list. But if you don't, that's absolutely fine as well. If you'd like to get in touch with us and contribute to future episodes and maybe be featured in a voicemail episode on the audio podcast, you can get in touch with us a number of different ways. Obviously, you can drop comments on the YouTube versions, but you can also leave us a voicemail message using either Anchor or SpeakPipe. There's links in the description of this show. Or you could send us an email to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com. So until we see you again, take care, stay safe, and whenever you're playing, have fun.